0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host Ali Melnicki, accompanied by my favorite coworker Robert Kowalski. How are you doing this afternoon, Robert?
1: Allie, really, really great. Who cares if it's late July and there's nothing but baseball and yeah, maybe some soccer from Mexico. I'm all good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm in your sentiment that I'm ready for it to be football season. I know we have a week to go until we get preseason now. While preseason isn't ideal, nor do I ever bet on preseason, it is football. So it is something to tune into. But we did have such a great episode last week talking about the AFC North. We both made our predictions, said the teams that we like. And now we head to the AFC South, which is maybe not as entertaining as the division, but nonetheless compelling because we do got Matt Ryan now with the Colts. We have some controversy in Tennessee, whether it's going to be Ryan Tannehill, whether Malik Willis will take over. So we still have plenty to talk about. And that being said, let's start with the Titans because they underwent an array of changes this offseason. A.J. Brown is now with the Philadelphia Eagles. They signed Robert Woods, a free agent that just came out of the Rams. He did have a season-ending end- injury last year, so it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back. Derek Henry of course you know he returned from injury in that playoff game let's see if he's 100% this year so before we begin to dissect everything Robert what right now are we seeing in Vegas for the Tennessee's win total and what are the odds?
1: So this number opened up uh, quite before uh, the schedule came out and, and obviously shortly right after uh, all of the free agents and um, the draft happened so Uh, We opened it at nine and a half, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, and now we're actually wishing it was nine because we're shaded to the under minus 140, Allie.
0: Wow. And under, and I wrote about this in my blog, I think last week. I mean, I saw the under and I grabbed it immediately. I don't think there's any way the Titans are in contention this year. And you know what? It's odd because, Robert, like, let's not forget, this was the number one seeded team in the <laughs> AFC right. last year. Right. And now we don't even think that they could get to nine wins. So so where did they – what happened? Like, what's wrong with this team that everyone is just jumping ship on?
1: Yeah, right, exactly. So, you know, this is – and it's super fresh, but we know that, obviously, there's no A.J. Brown. There's no Julio Jones. They replaced them with Robert Woods and Austin Hooper. You know, is this the last run for Ryan Tannehill? I have to say it's probably not going to even last the entire season. Uh, You know, here's the funny thing. With the state of the AFC South, I initially I didn't think there were any logical moves that the Titans could make that would drastically tank their season. And yet here we are. (laughs) I mean, there, you know, there is no A.J. Brown. You know, if Tannehill really doesn't pan out and, and, succeed as great as some people would we're looking at Malik Willis or Logan Woodside Allie
0: yeah it's interesting because I was having a conversation the other day about this and I feel like Ryan Tannehill is this year's Jimmy Garoppolo because we saw that last year you know that the 49ers drafted Trey Lance we knew it was basically Super Bowl or bust for the Niners or else Jimmy Garoppolo was gone It was Super Bowl or bust because they did not make the Super Bowl and now Jimmy Garoppolo is in the midst of trade rumors. It sounds like Trey Lance is going to start the season at QB. So I feel like we're in that exact same situation now with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, now, I've always liked Ryan Tannehill. Never loved him, but always liked him. I think he's a serviceable quarterback. I think he's a game manager. You know, you can get him with trick plays to score touchdowns and whatnot. But, I mean... If you look at his stats last year, they're not eye-popping. But, Robert, he led this team to the best record in the AFC. So what happened? Did his clubhouse just quit on him? Are, are we seeing a vast decline? What What's wrong with Tannehill?
1: No, I I think, honestly, Allie, if we just looked at how, well, they just really couldn't figure out a way to get uh, Derrick Henry to really release and just. Dominate as he did during the regular season, probably because you know a lot of their play action just wasn't going their way. So I don't know if this is going to be a you know a hot take prediction alley, but there's no way in the world I see Tannehill performing up to last year's results.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and actually, I think if we just look at it, we'll probably cover it. You know, towards the end of our episode. I don't know if he's even top three uh, quarterback in his division right now. It's And it's nothing against him. I just – look, they made some moves, and I don't think that they did all that they could to improve, uh, you know, compared to some other, other teams, even in their own division. Uh, you know, Robert Woods is going to be, you know, really excellent. Austin Hooper, probably a, a top five tight end mm-hmm. in the conference. But it needs – Far more bookending than just that, and we're about to hit preseason with you know some really significant question marks on their offense.
0: Yeah, and you know what, this happens anytime you have a head coach that's defensive oriented, and that's what Mike Vabral is like. You know, big star Patriots and everything, but he's always going to focus on the defense to carry the team more than the offense. So for me, it was like when you traded AJ Brown, you're trading a top three in my opinion, receiver in the conference last season. I mean, after Tyreek Hill, after Jamar Chase, probably Stephon Dick, so let's put A.J. Brown. He's a top-five player in the AFC last year. And now he finds himself on Philly. We'll talk about Philly next week. But, yeah, I the trade, I understand it. He wanted out. There was no contract. The contract talks broke down. But for me, I, I mean, you got to – if you're going to trade someone with A.J. Brown's caliber – and you still want to compete next year at the same level? You gotta find a better replacement than Robert Woods. I mean, was there was there any way they could have recouped that that you you can think of, Robert?
1: No, no, right, exactly. And you're absolutely right, Ali. You, you got to do a, a little bit better than Robert Woods. Or if you're going to make the move to get Robert Woods in the trade, then add more. You know, add something that's you know really going to be impactful. At wide receiver or tight end, so now and, and look, you mentioned Vrabel; he had a, a large say in, you know, giving a really massive five-year extension to outside linebacker Harold Landry. So they are concentrating more on defense. Great, uh you know, they still have Derrick Henry, who you know I, I probably would put top three as, as far as okay. uh, you know running backs are concerned. So if that's the angle, you know. Maybe that's going to be enough to, you know, come in and possibly, you know, know, be close to winning the division uh, in in the AFC South. But it's going to be quite predictable is what I'm saying. So, you know, easier for me to say on paper. But I think because they're going to be, you know, a pretty predictable uh, team from an offensive perspective, I think that's going to lead to uh, results that aren't going to match last year's alley.
0: No, and you know, let's let the viewers should remember, but I mean this is a team that completely blew out Kansas City in the in the regular season last year. They defeated Buffalo. Like this is a team that had solid wins. Like they didn't just beat up on bad teams. They actually lost to bad teams also the Jets, but they really played up to the competition. And I was one of the few that called the Bengals would upset them in that divisional playoff game and they did. But right now Robert, I just like looked at their schedule. I mean, this is a brutal November they have. They they have they play at Kansas City, followed by they host Denver, then they play at Green Bay, and then they host the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, can you think of a worse November for them?
1: That's a very very difficult November. I mean, look uh, they, they've they earned it, right? They are, you know, tops in their conference. So now you're going to have to go and show up again. That's why if you have so much success, you can't rest. You have yeah. to build on top of it. You got to get even better. That's something that they definitely did not do.
0: I agree with that. And that kind of, I don't know if that speaks to Mike Vrabel, just not being at that level, like his mentor, Bill Belichick was, you know, you got to keep, bringing in these guys, rotating them out, getting rid of veterans that at this point are name only in their career. Like A.J. Brown is still at the pinnacle of his career. So that's not the answer just to dump them. It's not like what Bill Belichick used to do when he would trade guys when he knew, you know, they had maybe a year or two left max of their prime. But for me, I I mean, I'm right with you. Like, I don't think that this team is going to be in contention whatsoever. Maybe they'll sniff a wild card birth maybe but i doubt it i mean i i think this team is a seven eight win team max what's your take that's
1: yeah i guess so we could talk about wild card and you know in the afc maybe maybe nine wins does get you in maybe uh and i think they do get to that nine number right that's why you know circling back to my my original Season win total of nine and a half. It would have been nice if it was nine, right. uh, you know, but you know, I I think that they do get to the nine wins, uh, and they probably will come close to that wild card berth. Uh, but that really does depend on you know a lot of other moving pieces. I, I look, their roster is is going to be you know built to repeat what they did last year, but it's going to be far more predictable. And that's probably why they're going to end up right around that eight, nine win position. So I'm I'm going to say under the nine and a half, uh, but it's going to be very close, Allie.
0: Yeah, I, I'm under for sure. And that brings to a point I do want to ask you before we do move on, because the Malik Willis situation, you know, I just rattled off their schedule in November. There's no way that they're taking a rookie quarterback and feeding him to the wolves during that November schedule. So do you think you can see Malik Willis making an appearance starting a game in December? Because I mean, Robert, if the Titans go 0 for four in November and they have a losing record entering entering December, I mean, for me, that's we're done with the Tannehill era. Let's see what this Malik guy can do. What do you think?
1: Well, I, I probably would think that we're gonna see Logan White Woodside before Willis. Okay. I mean, he's got three years of experience under the belt from Toledo. I, I think that his game is markedly different than than Willis's, uh, but I I probably say one thing that's going to be yeah fun to watch in preseason is is watching the battle between him and and Willis and see how he could run. So, so I I I actually think that it's going to be a lot more of Woodside uh, than than Willis at least this year.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I wasn't high on Malik Willis before the draft. I really wasn't high on any quarterback this year in the draft. Kenny Pickett, Mac Hurl, Malik Willis. I just – I didn't think it was a good quarterback draft. So I don't think he's the long-term answer. I could totally be wrong. I mean, I whiffed on Lamar Jackson the year that he got drafted. But, I mean, a, there must be a – there must be something that these scouts are seeing about Willis because if you remember, Robert, when we were having our NFL draft preview – we were thinking, you know, you could see Willis end of the first round, beginning all of the right. second, and he dropped that's... all the way down to the third. I mean, what, what was what was going on there?
1: I think it's, again, it's just a lack of faith in this quarterback class. Um, it, it's obviously going to have to be proven, but, I mean, I don't know. It's not like Kenny Pickett's going to be set up for success uh, this year. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I mean, and probably if you look at, The the offensive line and scheme in Tennessee, I far prefer, uh, you know, that one over Pittsburgh. So I would probably say if uh, all things were equal and we saw a a full season out of Willis or Pickett, I think Willis is going to have a far better year. But again, situation, uh, scheme, coaching, he's probably going to have a a better NFL career uh, at this point uh, than Kenny Pickett. But that was uh, another episode for another time. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll discuss that definitely. So you and I are both on the same page. We're under. I mean, just think of a team that really, like I said, was number one seed in the AFC, and they open, you know, the preseason with a nine point five over under. That just that baffles my mind. And you have you have the AFC West, where like three teams over unders are like in the double digits. But we'll mm-hmm. save that for next week's episode. Mm-hmm. Now let's move on to a team that I've been talking about the past few weeks is really my sleeper to come out and have a solid season. I think the Colts, you know, I'll just put it out there. I'm confident they win the AFC South. I think Matt Ryan was a great get for them. I think he bodes well for the team. I think that Jonathan Taylor, maybe he doesn't have the number of touchdowns he had last season, but I think he gets more receptions from Matt Ryan. I think the team as a whole is better. So, Robert, what are the Colts looking – what are we looking at for the Colts? What's their over-under win total and the odds?
1: Right. So, their season win total is also nine-and-a-half wins, uh, and this one is – it's literally a counterbalance. It's shaded very heavily to the over, now right. it's minus 145 alley.
0: Wow. Yeah, and, you know, I wrote about this last week. I mean, people forget that the Colts really needed only to win one of their final two games last season – to clinch a, bait, a playoff berth, and somehow they lost two of them. And the last one they lost was to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who was arguably the worst team in, at, along with the Texans in the AFC last season. So this team really just needed one thing to get over the hill, and I think that was a veteran quarterback that has postseason experience, not only postseason experience, but Super Bowl experience. And I can't think of a better fit right now for the Colts than Matt Ryan. So, Robert, you know, am I wrong just to think I love the Colts and I love the over on this one?
1: Uh, I'll say no. Uh, All right. <laughs> not, I, I, probably, I know, here we are. Uh, we're two for two. But I'm going to say that, you know, with the Colts bringing in Matt Ryan now, eh, look, it's, it's clearly nothing more than a temporary fix to mm-hmm. every NFL team's long-term problem. Uh, but it's going to definitely give them – some stability at the quarterback position for a season, maybe two. Um, you know, Carson Wentz is now a commander. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan's going to, you know, command all, all of the snaps for the Colts this year. By the way, also, they added um, uh, Yannick Ngakwe from the Raiders. Uh, Fakeson's in from the Raiders, at cornerback as well. Uh, eh, Jack Doyle. He retired, you know. From you know, so right. I still think that this is a far, far more improved team uh, than they had last year, uh, just from a, a roster perspective. So for me, you know, that the move of bringing in Ryan, uh, you know, along with you know some other things that might develop, you know, during preseason, I think it's going to greatly improve an offense that was. Uh, just one win away from going over its uh, the season total last year, so I think they definitely grabbed that tenth win in this year's uh, season. Uh, very, very likely uh, make it into the postseason, uh, and then heck with what they have, I'm probably going to predict at the very least uh, one postseason win. Actually, Ellie.
0: Yeah, I, I again, I really like this team. My only question is their wide receiver core after Michael Pittman. Is a bit sparse. I mean, sparse. I mean, you see Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell. I don't really know what to make of those guys. Mo Ali Cox, a tight end, he's not really known for being a tight end that goes up and gets a lot of catches, got a, a lot of receptions during the game. So I, I'm a little suspect how that would play out. But again, when you have a guy like Ryan, he knows how to work with guys with, that are very inexperienced. This is a guy that has been around, you know, over a decade in the NFL. He's worked with all type of receivers. I mean, he was suffocating in Atlanta. I, I can't even name any receivers that he had to throw to last season outside of Kyle Pitts, who was their rookie tight end. Calvin Ridley had been suspended. Uh, well, he, he took time off. Now he's suspended for this year. But that he had no Julio Jones. So sometimes I didn't even know who Matt Ryan was throwing to last year. But Atlanta had more problems than Indy. They had a terrible defense. Now he goes to Indy that has a pretty good defense. So for me, I'm like you, I think that this over is going to be saw it going to be got well before the end of the season. I think they clinch the division and they do have a benefit in playing in the easiest division in the AFC South. I mean, you have Jacksonville who I don't think has improved that much, Houston who definitely hasn't improved at all. So I mean that that's probably four wins right there, almost halfway to your win total. So uh, is it really that wrong to say, hey, this this probably out of any team in the division is your lock to go over?
1: Yeah, this this is definitely it, Allie. I mean, we haven't even really uh, focused on Jonathan Taylor and how incredible he is. Uh, so without a doubt, they're they're winning the AFC South. Um, you know that's that's going to be my my prediction for them this year, you know, I would have liked for them to have picked up more of a solid option at wide receiver during the draft, you know, but they, you know, they didn't. So it's going to be, uh, you know, Pittman jr. Campbell Pierce uh, and Mo Alley Cox, Ashton Doolin's probably going to help a bit as, as a second tier starter Mm -hmm. uh, at wide receiver. Uh, But yeah, I, I I still think even with that, that, uh, set of depths where they go three wide and one tight end, they're going to probably get to that ten win mark very easily. I mean, <laughs> they, assuming no one gets hurt and there's no key injuries, they'll they'll definitely get there. And like I said, I think they're going to make themselves, you know, very well known come the playoff time. alley.
0: yeah, let's talk about Jonathan Taylor because he just had a year last year that you know he was in the MVP conversation. He led all running backs in t- touchdowns. There were some games I would watch the Colts play where he was the offense. I mean, it was pretty much him and the offensive line. There were times where I felt Carson Wentz barely threw the ball the entire game. So what's your take this year on Jonathan Taylor, Robert? Do you see defenses, you know, adjusting to Indy being a run first offense? Do you think now with the addition that Ma- of Matt Ryan? That helps out Jonathan Taylor. That maybe defenses aren't thinking that they're strictly run first. What's your take?
1: The latter, Ali. The latter for sure. Because with Ryan, even though he doesn't have uh, probably the well, look, it's it's still a very solid wide receiver core that's returning, right? So they know the offense, and it's you know up to Ryan to learn the playbook. And I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. As a matter of fact, he's going to probably enhance it. So, you know, some of its parts will actually be increased just by Matt Ryan's presence at quarterback. But this is about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, We talked about the Tennessee Titans. We barely talked about Derrick Henry. They're clearly, you know, the irrefutable one-two in the NFL at running back. Um, I would go with Taylor as my top running back only because of the offensive scheme that they have. It's far more uh, easier for uh, offenses to, not offenses, rather, but uh, NFL defenses to key in on Henry. Uh, And just because of how well stacked the Colts are versus the Titans are on on an offensive perspective, and clearly the far better quarterback. uh, I would choose Jonathan Taylor. uh, But, I mean, 1 and 1A, but, you know, I'm, I'm still picking Taylor number one.
0: Yeah, um, 100%. You know, we were talking fantasy the other day, me and Jacob. And Taylor, for me, is, like you said, he's just the pivotal number one guy in that division. I mean, Derrick Henry's right underneath him. But Jonathan Taylor just poses more of a threat. He didn't have a ton of receptions, as most running backs do last season. I think that had a lot to do with you just gave him the ball, and he did his damage right there and then. I think his receptions tick up a little more with Ryan as quarterback. I think they're going to run a lot more play action passes that they didn't run last season. So for me, I think Taylor is going to just, like you said, how Ryan's going to enhance the playbook. I think Taylor's just going to be enhanced in the running game with Ryan as quarterback. I think he was really limited with Carson once last year, because like I said, there were some times on offense you would see there in their scoring drive, you know, Ten plays, nine of those plays would be Jonathan Taylor rushes. So he really got a big workload, though, last season, Robert. So I want to ask you, do you think his workload last season has any effect this year?
1: No, I I don't. I think he's still very spry. I actually think that we haven't seen his peak. He he could probably do this uh, again and again and then even again. So we'll, we'll probably see... Uh, far north of 300 carries uh, and at least uh, 50 more targets, you know, from uh, you know Matt Ryan. And I, I think he's just going to have an absolutely stellar, stellar season.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to watch this team. It's really uh, an exciting team to watch. I think everyone likes Matt Ryan. He's always been a standout guy. I think everyone that's not a Patriots fan's, does cringe for him. Every time you hear, you know, that 2017 super bowl that they just collapsed in not that it was really Matt Ryan's fault. There were so many people to blame Dan Quinn head coach for that, but I think Ryan's going to have a lot of people rooting for him to succeed this year. And it's kind of like how Matt Stafford went to the Rams last year. You know, he, he, he left a bad team in Detroit. He inherited a team with a great offense in the Rams and just had a magical season And we talked about this a few episodes ago. I mean, I think Ryan could be a sleeper in the MVP race. Now, you know, upon further reflection with Taylor on the team, I don't think he's going to be that MVP, but he definitely will insert himself in the, in the conversation for comeback player of the year. So we're both on record. We both like the over, we both like the Colts to win the division. Now let's turn to a team that last year had more controversy than actual wins, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, Robert, what are we looking at for their win total and their odds?
1: After seeing what they did uh, in the offseason uh, to uh, help bolster uh, Trevor Lawrence and uh, you know, Doug Peterson and everything that they've had, we've made the Jaguars' uh, season win total at 6.5, stayed flat pretty much, for the most of the opener, and as we got closer towards July, uh, a little bit of money started to come in on the under. So currently our price is six and a half, under minus 120, Alley.
0: Okay, yeah, and this is a team where I just look at and I can't get past the Trevor Lawrence of it all. Now, I wasn't a big fan of Trevor Lawrence in college. I watched plenty of Clemson games. I thought he played against subpar competition subpar competition in the acc i watched him you know in that championship game against joe burrow and lsu and he just totally looked like a junior varsity quarterback playing against a varsity quarterback so when trevor lawrence was going number one i was not high on him i wasn't really high in any of those quarterbacks in that draft class justin fields even mac jones just wasn't a fan of them so robert you know I looked at this over under and I thought it was way too high. I mean, this is a Jacksonville team that despite the Urban Meyer controversy last year, they still weren't a great team. Now, they did make some moves in the offseason on offense. They got Christian Kirk over from Arizona. They signed Evan Ingram from my New York Giants, who we were pretty much happy to get to give them. But I mean, I looked at this team and I was like, eh. I don't see a ton of improvement. I know that they have Doug Peterson as coach. I know he has Super Bowl experience being with the Eagles a few seasons ago. They did also upgrade the offensive line, getting Brandon Scherf from the commanders. But for me, I looked at this and I was like, until I see that Trevor Lawrence is improved, I'm going to have to go under. What about you? All right. We have our first split. All right. I was waiting for that. (laughs) (laughs) I think. I mean,
1: this is insane because Jacksonville hasn't won more than six games since 2017. Right. Which is the only year they've made the playoffs in the last 14 seasons. You know, but I actually think that things are starting to look up for the Jags. Okay. Uh, They've added some serious talent. You know, the veteran leadership to their loss is something that they needed. So when they brought in Christian Kirk, you know, he was signed. Zay Jones signed. Evan Ingram signed. They released Carlos Hyde, uh, you know, but I I actually think his his tank was empty anyway. Right. So between you know James Robinson, actually I think the guy that's really the one that's going to do well is um, is Etienne Junior. So right, he'll probably end up being the starter, and I, I think it's going to be a far more dynamic look to the Jaguars than we've seen in many many years. So I'll predict that they actually do hit seven wins this year i think they do make uh, an improvement and trevor lawrence you know he's he's you know he needed something well they definitely brought him something and this is just goes back to what we said a couple of weeks ago we were talking Look, if you don't have a quarterback you have to draft one in the first round yeah. every single year until you get it right until you get it right i don't think that um i mean for me Trevor Lawrence could fail miserably all year this year. And I still think I would give him, you know, the full run of the team, even into the next season, I just want to see him, you know, to develop. There's going to be. Obviously, you know, we're going to need some uh, backfield depth. uh, And that's something that they don't have. So one injury could really start to upset the entire apple cart, but, um, I don't think that six and a half total to go over is going to be really too hard to reach. You know, as long as they are, you know, focus on that passing game, you know, basically from today on, uh, you know, and then, you know, I had a little bit of talent on the rushing side, but I, I think Doug Peterson has something to improve on here, Alex.
0: Yeah. I you know what you, you do make make a good point with the running game and we didn't see Travis Etienne last season. We really only saw James Robinson because Etienne was injured. So I think that is a big X factor and does take a lot of burden off of Trevor Lawrence. And you're right. You know, this guy was a number 1 overall pick. You can't just, you know, jump ship on him after one season, even after two seasons or three. You know, we saw the Josh Allen effect in the third year a few years ago. And he really made a big jump. I just, it's just on a personal level for me, I don't see Trevor Lawrence. I think, you know, I I don't think he's going to have a Sam Darnold-like exit from the Jaguars. I think he's going to play out his entire rookie contract before that, before they, you know, end up going another route. I'm just not seeing them make that big of a leap. I do think that they will be better than last season. You know, they're not going to just roll over and have the same win total. I think they do win another game, maybe two games more. They do have the benefit of playing in a division where they have the Texans who we'll talk about in a minute is probably going to be the worst team in all of the NFL. So I can understand the play. I'm just one that's going to be to take this team a little more conservatively and say, you know, they're going to be a little bit improved, but I don't know how much improved I'm going to trust Trevor Lawrence. So I I, I do understand your point. But one thing I will say, and I'm interested to get your take on this, like we saw Doug Peterson with Philadelphia. How much of an impact do you think hiring him has against some of the other candidates that were out there?
1: I think it's significant, Ali. I do. Um, He's got his system. We saw it uh, in full effect. Uh, In Philadelphia, so I think it's going to come right back, and he's going to put that playbook, uh, you know, right into exactly what they've had uh, in Philly, into Jacksonville. It worked in Philly. Um, You know, are are the pieces the same? No, Um, and yes. uh, You know, they do have some good depth at wide receiver, but again, they're just like literally one more key injury at running back from. All of this falling to pieces. I think that, you know, if, if we had to go and and see 15, 20 carries out of um Racknell Armstead, it, it's it's not gonna be a good day, Allie. Not at all.
0: No, but, no, no. Uh, I, I do
1: think I do think Peterson has some pieces here to work with and you know, we could start to see some, you know, week to week upsets. You'll you'll see Jacksonville as an underdog pretty much every single week. This is one team that I would back as uh, a point spread dog almost every week.
0: Oh, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, even last season, the Jaguars, you know, they went through a stretch where they were covering. They weren't winning, but they were covering from what I remember. Because especially when they play at home in Jacksonville, people don't recognize how incredibly humid it is there. So when you have like a cold weather team that has to come and play there, I mean, we saw opening weekend last year when the Green Bay Packers played the New Orleans Saints there. I mean, that was like the worst game of Aaron Rodgers' career. So they do definitely have a big home field advantage and they are a team that I would look at to cover. Detroit Lions are the same kind of team. You know, we'll talk about them in a few weeks when we cover the uh, a- the NFC North teams, but Yeah, I really like Jacksonville on a point spread cover, especially opening weekend, too. You know, they're a team that they are people are going to have remembrance of last season, but they do have weapons. I'm not going to doubt that. So it's basically, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Here you go. Here's your guys. Let's see what you can do. You know, Urban Meyer's gone. He's out. He's out of there. We have you. We got your running game. You know, that's probably my only take, though, Robert, is that of the receivers that they did give him, none of them really are bona fide number one starter, number one guys. Do you think that has any effect on how they play?
1: Actually, I don't. I think that Kirk, given the number of targets that he's going to probably see, he's going to be their number one. Zay Jones is great because, you know, there's different – aspects to both of their games kirk has one set of uh of skills and there's a different set of skills uh from zay jones those two i think are going to work together very well ingram well yeah <laughs> yeah
0: no he, I, was really I was waiting for you to say that i was waiting for you to say because i had this conversation talking about fantasy the other day and one of one of the guys i was talking it was like oh i think evan ingram could be a sleeper tight end," and i was like don't you ever say that I was like, the giant, fan, <laughs> I watched him drop the easiest passes he could make at the most critical times. And I don't know how many games I'm like, this guy, there's a reason he got a one year deal. You know, I do, I do think that he, he has a ton of talent. I mean, I was high in when we drafted him, but the guy dropped so many balls and so many accurate throws to him. He just doesn't catch. So, I mean... <laughs> Good luck, Jaguars fans. That's all I got to say about that. I mean, I felt like that when we got rid of Eli Apple a few years ago in our secondary when I think we got rid of him to the Saints. I was like, have fun. (laughs) Like, we don't want him. But, you know, I don't want to spend too much more time on the Jaguars because I, you know, over under win total aside, they aren't going anywhere. I don't think they're going to be in the wild card race just because there is too much competition in the AFC now, I am curious on your take with the Texans as we move on, because both you and I, I think, had the same expression yesterday when I set you the agenda for this call, and that's this is the wor- going to be the worst team in the league next season. I mean, is there much more to say about that?
1: No, There's going to be much sadness in Houston this season. Their season win total is now set at 4.5, and, uh, and it's dropping. Uh, you know, We're currently under 30. Um, and I can't find anybody to buy on the over at all. I mean, it's it is what it is, right? The team which had their entire franchise built around you know, Deshaun Watson, he's gone. Um, you know, it, it doesn't look like there's going to be anything like a, just just to look at their roster. It, it's just so depleted. And I don't think that there's – look, they're not going to go winless, right? <laughs> right. They can't go winless. And I actually feel that you know there's a small chance that they could start off a little bit strong in 2022. Uh, but, man, this is going to be a tough season, Alley.
0: So I said this is going to be the worst team in the NFL, but I meant that on paper. Because I actually, in my blog, I wrote, I will bite on that over on the four and a half wins. Look, last season, they got four and a half wins. I mean, they got four wins. And now this season, while I don't think they're necessarily upgraded at all, they did make some nice splashes in the draft for the defense. You know, they got Derek Stingley Jr., who I was incredibly high on. Yes. So they did up upgrade the secondary a little bit. I think he's going to come in and he's going to be, he he could be the defensive rookie of the year if it's not for i In my opinion, that's who I think for, for the AFC, but you do look at their offense. You know, they still have Brandon cooks at wide receiver who is, you know, I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the league and he just keeps managing to get traded and traded and traded though he has been with the Texans the last, uh, this is his third season, I believe. But I do think that they have a sleeper on their running game because Marlon Mack, you know, a few seasons ago, he was great when he was healthy for the Colts. Maybe not great, maybe that's too strong a word, but he was solid. So if he could come back and have a solid season this year, you know, that takes pressure off Davis Mills, who really did show promise though, as a quarterback, you know, having to step in, for the injured Teddy Bridgewater uh, sorry not Teddy Bridgewater Tyra Taylor when he went down last season for Houston. So I'm going to bite Robert. I'm going to take the over on the Texans because again, if you look at their schedule too, they don't have an incredibly like hard schedule to begin the year. Yes, they do start out against Indianapolis and Denver, but I think Chicago's a winnable game. They're not going to be the Chargers, but Jacksonville's still a winnable game. You look at the middle of the schedule, they get to play the Giants. And listen, as a Giants fan, I know my team. Cleveland, we don't know what to make of Cleveland. So Jacksonville, again, I think they can etch out five wins. I might be crazy, but I think they can etch out five wins. So tell me I am crazy.
1: Damn it, Allie, you're not crazy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> look, yes, they are expected to be one, if not the worst team this upcoming season. You know this is the lowest projected win total out of any in the nfl that i set at four and a half they don't, don't have an easy schedule ahead of them but like you said chicago they could win jacksonville they could win right so that's two already and that's in the first five weeks so right. they get up to face the afc west you know and they're ridiculous um you know and, and then everyone in their own division seems to have you know improved uh you know, except for houston <laughs> But right. I don't know, maybe I don't like Davis Mills. You know, I, I think he's capable. Um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, right now with what they've re-signed and, and what they're going to be coming with, you know, they're they're clearly in a massive rebuild. Um, you know, new coach, some new rookies. Uh, you know, maybe they start to turn things around a little bit. Uh, you know, they've just won four games in the last two seasons, uh, but I just don't think. I mean, look, 2022. They're they're not they're not going to be anything except you know dead last in their division. Yeah. I, I honestly, they they're, they're, they don't have any chance of of being better than Jacksonville. I have Jacksonville higher than their win total, but at the same time, I think. If there's a small chance that the Houston Texans could get more than the four and a half uh that I currently set them to Allie.
0: Hey, Texans had four wins last season, Jacksonville had three. So if uh-huh. you think Jacksonville can more than double their win total, I think Houston could get at least one more win than their win total. Uh-huh. But here's here's the I'm gonna throw you the curveball right here. That's gonna get them to the over. Week eighteen. If Indianapolis has already clinched their division and they know they're not going to get any any better seeding, they're sitting their starters the last week of the season and somehow Houston gets that fifth win. I'm not totally crazy on that one. Yes,
1: let's do it. I love it. Perfect angle.
0: <laughs> you got to think ahead with your, with these bets. I'm telling you any futures bet betters out there. Don't just look at a win total and think of it off the top of your head. Look at the schedules. Think of all different types of scenarios.
1: Well, that, that's it help. There's no it secret. That's help. how I, that's how I made my season win totals off of the schedule.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we get, we got two, we have two over two, that we agree on two that we don't agree on. And before we end our episode, I do want to get to the rankings on this, because and we talked about this a little bit before, but Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry. You and I both love Jonathan Taylor. We'd pick Jonathan Taylor over De- Derrick Henry, even though Derrick Henry's right below. But, yeah, let's talk about the quarterbacks. I mean, is this, is this division really a quarterback that they're the best of the worst in any other division, Robert?
1: No, that's a great, great way to put it. Um, you know, This is, there's you know, there's a lot of sadness outside of <laughs> Matt Ryan, who's, you know, being brought in with a, you know, a brand new franchise to run. But I would definitely put Matt Ryan number one, Allie. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no question about that, that Matt Ryan's number one. And, you know, you could even make an argument that if Trevor Lawrence does have the year that many are projecting him to be, he can, you know, displace Ryan Tannehill to be the number two quarterback in the division. Right now, he's not there yet. You know, you got to give Tannehill credit where credit is due. But, you know, let's go back to the Texans. And, you know, Davis Mills, he could, you know, they must have seen something last year at Houston to really say, hey, we're confident with him being our number one guy. Because, you know, they could have went out and signed like a Teddy Bridgewater. They could have re-signed Tyrod Taylor. They didn't. You know, they got Kyle Allen as their backup, who hasn't thrown a ball in, what, two, three seasons since he was with the Carolina Panthers. I don't know if he threw one with the Commanders, but, you know, there must be something that they have confidence in this kid. And I did watch Houston a few games last year, and he was pretty much thrown to the wolves after Tyrod Taylor went down. I mean, he was given, you know, no help besides Brandon Cooks. And he basically just went out there week after week and he played and they got, you know, they got four wins. But there were a lot of games, too, that they played close in. So I I think that Davis Mills is where we are kind of overlooking him and just saying, oh, you know, he wasn't a top pick. He, He's on a terrible team. But I'm going to give this guy credit. I, I think he can come out and have a solid season. What do you think about Mills?
1: All right. Yeah, yeah. So look, I, I've made it well known that I like him. I, I think he's got a good touch. He has, you know, excellent range when he has the time to set. And I, I think he could hit any kind of a long ball that's required of him. I mean, he's, he's definitely capable of doing that. We've seen that already. I just think that what's surrounding him is, is not the best, right. right. And it's not going to really allow him to show off, you know, all of his abilities, and that's going to be the downfall of the team this year. It's 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 really not much Mills. So, I mean, huh. okay, well, so, okay, let's do this. We know it's Ryan number one, but if, Allie, we took a look at um, Tennessee, Houston, and, uh, and Jacksonville, you know, rank two, three, and four uh, quarterbacks for me.
0: Yeah, I would have to say, you know, by default, you got to put Tannehill as number two. And then again, by default, because he was the number one overall pick, he did have a, a you know, numbers wise, he did had a phenomenal college career. You got to put Trevor Lawrence and then Davis Mills, you know, I, I and I think that's exactly how they're going to finish in the division this year. What about you?
1: I've got total madness here. <laughs> okay, so we know it's Ryan. I got Lawrence number two. Okay. Mills number three.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: and Tannehill dead last end of the
0: division no respect for Tannehill this
1: is the end of the road my friend
0: hey listen you know what you know I will probably have a different ranking come the end of the year but I think going into the season I mean you got to give Tannehill credit for what he did do with this Tennessee Titans team he really you know he took them from just an afterthought to a playoff team once he took once he took over for Mariota I mean they did make the playoffs with Mariota, but. He put them in contention to where they were getting the number one seed last season. So he might not have the flashiest numbers, but I got to give Tannehill credit. He really did leave Miami. He had a, a mini resurrection in his career. I will say, yes, I think this is his last year as a starter. It would have to be a super bowl or bus season. And I think this is going to be a bus season for him, but Hey, you know, that that's football for you. You know, you're a star one day, and then the next day you're sitting on the bench, just as Jimmy G, who all he did was get the 49ers to two NFC championships in the past three years, and now he's looking for a job. But unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this week's episode. Next week, we will talk the AFC West, which is definitely the hardest division in all the NFL I have so much to talk about it's really going to be a grind team you know I think you can make a case any of those four teams even the Raiders can win that division so we have plenty to talk about next week Robert are you excited
1: yeah, completely I just wish everyone would stop betting the Raiders if they can please
0: <laughs> yeah that's right you are in Vegas well you're not far from Vegas so <laughs> they love their Raiders over there oh, yes But that is all the time we have for today. Thanks, everyone, for joining again, and we will see you next episode.